Welcome to From Our Vantage Point, where you can easily access expert perspective and practical approaches to tackling common topics and concerns in not-for-profit governance and management. My name is Maria Turnbull, Associate Executive Director at Vantage Point and your host. On behalf of Vantage Point's entire team, welcome and thank you again for joining us. From Our Vantage Point is brought to you by Humanity Financial Management, a chartered accounting firm dedicated to helping Canadian not-for-profit charitable and social enterprises build capacity for strong internal financial management. Humanity Financial Management's part-time controllers and CFOs provide support for budgeting, reporting, audit preparation, policies and procedures, and internal controls. Their results, financial risk reduction and asset protection. Visit Humanity Financial Management online at humanityfinancial.ca. Each podcast, we focus for 10, 10 to 15 minutes on one specific area of interest. Carol Newman, Vantage Point's own Director of Learning, will share her insights today on on the topic, Board Committee Structure Going Lean. Carol holds a Master's in Communications and Culture from the University of Calgary. She has been honoured as one of Edmonton's top 40 under 40 for her work as Alberta Student Executive Council's Executive Director and her role as a community leader. After I heard Carol recently on Vancouver's Co-op Radio, I couldn't wait to host her on our own airwaves. Welcome, Carol. Many thanks for the invitation, Maria. So um, let's just to get started, what are are we talking about when we refer to board committee structure? That's a great question. And really, we're talking about taking a design approach to structuring the relationship between the board and its key committees. And I think committees and task forces are so important because a lot of the really great work that happens on behalf of the board happens in committees. So it's important not to let that just sort of evolve organically or by happenstance, but to be really intentional about the way that committees are supported, the number of committees that you have, the work that they do, and how that work is aligned to bigger organizational mission, vision, priorities, and goals. Great. Um, Can you walk us through the difference between standing and ad hoc committees and give us a sense of where task forces fit in? Absolutely. And that's a great question because there are a lot of different terms used for these, but standing committees are those that are baked into your bylaws. They exist in perpetuity forever and ever, and they do really important work. That's what they're designed to do. That's why they exist forever. And ad hoc committees are formed on an as-needed basis to complete a specific task or purpose. So they're project-bound and time-bound. And once that task or project is completed, those ad hoc committees are dissolved. And task forces are really just another term used to describe ad hoc committees. And I've chosen the title Going Lean. Uh, So what does that mean, going lean on committee structure? What does that mean to you? I think it gets down to pairing things back to the absolute essentials. And I was thinking about this, and an analogy that came up for me was like my hobby of home cooking. So I live in a small one-bedroom apartment with a tiny kitchen where space is really limited, especially counter space. But I have a few favorite tools that I use day in and day out, and they're what occupy my little counters. And I love these tools because they serve a really clear purpose, but they're also workhorses, and I know I couldn't live without them. They're like my nice (laughs) saute pan, my Japanese chef's knife, my cutting board. But I know, too, that it's really tempting to get caught up with those non-essential items, fun things like melon ballers and (laughs) a new deep fat fryer and corn de-nibblers. 
And maybe they seem like a great solution to a challenge that you were facing or you were convinced that you'd use them all the time, but now they're just you know, taking up space and collecting dust. And the more you add, the more clutter and complication you have in your workspace. So you end up either neglecting them or what's almost worse, finding make work projects just to justify their existence. So um, maybe I think the analogy could be used that instead of putting all of your stuff out on the counter, keep it really simple and treat those committees like your workhorses and all of those special things, treat them more like task forces. So before you go and expand the variety and the number of all of those special projects uh, that you take on, think about what purpose they serve. Um, how much counter space should we be giving to this particular uh, committee or task force? So going lean with your committees is really about paring things down and being really intentional with the, the amount of counter space you want to give. I love it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Carol. Um, what would you say are potential benefits of this lean committee structure uh, and strategic use of task forces mm-hmm. or ad hoc committees? I think there are benefits for the board, benefits for the organization, and also some benefits for the, the task force or committee members as well. So I think at a high level, really you're avoiding a lot of those make work projects which can lead to mission drift and sometimes administrative bloat because it does take a lot of employee time to support committees the work that gets delegated to staff might be research or report writing and so if you have six or seven committees that are all tasking employees with work that adds up to be quite a lot at the end of the year so being lean and intentional can avoid some of that I think from a board member's perspective, you're really being considerate and thoughtful about what you're asking them to commit to as well. You're not spreading them too thin by asking them to sit on a number of committees, going to do a lot of reporting and a lot of board meetings. You're focusing their impact on things that matter and make a difference for the organization. And I think too, especially with task forces, you have the opportunity to tackle new projects and tap into new skills and perspectives with people beyond your current roster of board members. And that can be really powerful as well. So you can um, break out of groupthink, you can bring in some new ideas and, and more creativity, as well as look at opportunities to recruit future board members with task force members. And I think, too, from the perspective of those task force members and committee members, it can be really satisfying to see your work completed and to see the impact that it makes within an organization uh, on the mission. So by really being intentional and focusing on those committees and task forces and projects that will move the deep needle on the mission, um, you're giving an opportunity for people to feel really connected to your work. Great. And any key principles you might be able to share to support boards that are actually contemplating a review of their current committee or task force structure? Yeah, that's a great question because it can be daunting, but I think the key is to really make sure that you're depersonalizing the process. So review the goals, the outcomes, and activities of all of the committees rather than the individuals involved. And that can be difficult, especially if the evaluation component is new to your board work, but it can be done. Um, I think the other element, too, is that to make sure that there's an alignment with your mission, strategic plan, and objectives. If there's no alignment, then you really have to call into question why that committee exists. 
And to also be aware that it can have a bit of um, a domino effect on other governance documents like your bylaws. Um, but look at your terms of reference, look at your bylaws, see how, that, how they align and make sure there's some consistency there. Okay, and just to share an anecdote here, I worked recently with an organization who had done a bit of a, they'd reviewed all the terms of reference. I think they'd managed to eliminate one committee and they had quite a number of, uh, you know, really they were standing committees. And it wasn't until the rubber hit the road and they said, okay, well, if we're deciding that uh, each committee will be uh, chaired by a board member and there will be at least two other board members on each committee. And when that rubber hit the road and people had to actually sign up, they realized that they still were spread way too thin. Mm -hmm. And so they'd done the terms of reference review and then they then took another deeper look when it just the reality was uh, they would they would really stretch their board members too far uh, to continue with the number of committees that they had. So it was a useful exercise to really, really get trim. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's a great point because it can be really iterative. You can put things on paper, but how it shows up in your day-to-day on in terms of your governance work can be a totally different uh, beast. And so how can a board, do you think, tell if a standing committee is really necessary to support the board to do its work in governing the organization? I think it's asking some of those difficult questions of the board. Uh, so does the committee meet regularly? You know, sometimes it's very common to have committees on the books that don't actually come together and do work. Um, and that's another question too. Do, does that committee produce work that's required by the board to fulfill its governance function, to make decisions and and chart the future directions of the organization. Another way of framing that might be a question like, what would be lost if this committee did not exist? And if the answer is, well, some of that work could be picked up by staff or it could be picked up by another committee, maybe the utility of that committee is less than you thought. Um, So those are some questions that I think the board needs to ask before it makes those decisions. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking with your uh, cooking analogy, your kitchen, uh, that I met one organization that had a bylaw, a standing bylaw committee. Mm. And uh, to me, the bylaw... Uh, role of the board of directors it's important to review and make amendments on occasion <clears throat> but that it's more like your waffle maker or at yes. least my wa- waffle maker I love it I bring it out it's critical on on those moments when we're actually going to use it uh, but for it to be a standing committee made very little sense to me that it was much better framed as a, a task force or an ad hoc committee so Carol are there any differences when talking about committee structure to support a working board of directors Yes, definitely. And I think there there are two primary differences I want to highlight. The first is that in a working board, the line between governance and operations can be blurry. And that's because there's a lot of overlap between the board and committees. So a board member may sit on a number of standing committees, and it's easy for the work of the board and discussions about um, board-level conversations to bleed into committee conversations and vice versa. So for a working board, it's really important to articulate where that line is and to be intentional and clear about that on an ongoing basis. Uh, Another trap is to not look beyond the board um, in terms of engaging new Mm -hmm. people. And so it's important for working boards to find really talented, passionate people who want to sit on committees and task forces and tap into that diversity of insights and perspectives and strengths. And it's also important, however, for that workload component because on working boards, when they're 
you don't have staff members to delegate research to or reports to or other administrative work to, it's really easy to become burned out. And so be mindful of your structure. Try and make sure that you're being thoughtful about your goals and balancing your workload and taking on a reasonable amount of work and engaging enough people that you can do that thoughtfully. Great. And what if a board finds itself with too many standing committees, but for whatever reason they're having Mm -hmm. trouble kind of uh, making the shift? What's the first step to begin the transition to a lean structure? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it can be really hard to let go, Um, but it begins with review and reviewing all of the committees, not just one or two. And with this review, it's tough, but you have to be really honest and be objective and be pretty ruthless. Um, Ideally, a board development committee will take on that role. Um, But if there's not a lot of capacity to do evaluation work, it'd be hard to get started with it. Uh, But really that committee, you know, whether you call it a governance committee or a board development committee, they're there to sort of lead opportunities to evaluate board performance on the whole, which includes the performance of committees. So that's really key is to focus on some clear criteria of what you want to focus on in terms of the goals and objectives of those committees. And to realize too that at the beginning, especially, you may not get everyone on side with this review, especially if people feel personally attached to a long-standing committee or a way of doing things. But again, if you can depersonalize it by asking questions around outcomes and impacts on the mission, you can create more comfort around those questions. Yeah. And the other piece, I think, Uh, from my perspective over the years seeing a lot of committees that maybe have been standing committees of the board of directors but where there may actually be a more appropriate path to having those committees report and be led instead by management by the executive director Mm -hmm. Um, any thoughts on that uh, where if we if we structure committees and task forces to allow what I call form to follow function so Mm -hmm. if it if the function is actually the work of the committee is functionally the responsibility of the executive director and maybe maybe the committee could could move over to that individual to to release the board a little bit from from their responsibility but any thoughts on that i think that's a great question and something that probably could happen a lot more often than what we see happen Um, but again it could be tough to make that switch or transition but again start with the high level goals is this really meant to be an operational objective um, that we want to accomplish or is it meant to be a governance objective that we want to accomplish and let it go there's still opportunities for board members to contribute and I think that can be sometimes a stumbling block if they're um, let's say really passionate about something like um, uh, you know personnel matters Uh, holding on to a committee that deals with those sorts of Um, concerns or topics at a board level might not be the right fit. There's still ways of contributing, even if that is a a committee that reports to the executive director. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Carol. Uh, I've learned a lot in our brief conversation and hopefully our listeners have as well. Um, We'd really like to thank our sponsor, Humanity Financial Management, rock solid reporting for causes that count. And we'd also like to take a moment to thank you all for listening to From Our Vantage Point. Whether you are a new friend or have been with us for years, we also want to toss out a reminder about the worldwide, the wide world rather, of Vantage Point's resources available on our website, 
We have so much for you to check out. Governance and leadership, volunteer engagement and people engagement, strategic planning, capacity building, fund development and more. Whether you're looking for inspiration or specific tools, our resource centre, blog and various learning opportunities are available to you at thevantagepoint.ca. And a reminder that you're welcome to submit ideas for our next podcast. Uh, Just email info at thevantagepoint.ca. Thanks for joining us, Carol. Thank you so much for having me.